This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, Tech Girl, Miriam Jouar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Jouar, and today is Wednesday, April 25th, 2018. My guest is none other than Steve Litchfield, the camera phone expert of the universe. Hi, Steve. How are you? I'm very well. I don't think I can quite live up to that billing. Isn't that good? You like that, right? I like it. I like it. So look, what we're here to talk about today, mostly, is the P20 Pro camera. I want to make sure that we're all on the same page. I have not even touched the P20 camera, really, at this point. I have one. Um, I do feel bad about it because I know a lot of people are interested in that phone because the price is more affordable and they're wondering should I really pony up for the bigger one? But I can't answer that question for you today, and I don't think Steve can either. What we're going to talk about is our experience with the camera, and I want to make a bunch of corrections on some of the assumptions I made. If you listen to Steve's podcast a few weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago, where he had me over and we discussed what we, yeah, you know, my first impressions of using the P20 Pro in a very limited setting for about an, a half hour, uh, and and what I thought might be happening in terms of technology, um, you know, I I, I don't want to retract any of it because I think a lot of it is still valid, but I do want to make some corrections. And and you have published a couple of stories that are, uh, you know, about your experience both with the phone and the camera, that you know paint. Uh, a, a, uh, an interesting picture. I think that there are some there are some issues with this camera, but it is definitely a very strong imaging product. Yeah. So let's start with that. Like, if you had to uh, run into somebody who were, was interested in buying this phone and was really into mobile photography, what would be the the one word you would use to to kind of describe this camera phone? Uh, something that's worth waiting for, I'd say. Wait a couple of months. This definitely needs updates. And uh, Eero Salmalin, who's the guy at Huawei's head of imaging, who was one of the co-creators of Nokia's PureView back in the day. I mean, I absolutely trust what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. He's got three different um, camera sensors here, three different lenses, enormous processing resources. And I just think they haven't tuned the software right. And maybe we can come to that in some of my uh, image comparisons and some of the stories you've got linked in the show notes. But yeah, I would say to people... Be careful. It's a very expensive phone right now. Only buy it if you're 100% confident it's going to get the updates you want. Right now, I think it's overpriced and underperforming. So in which way do you think it's underperforming as a phone in general, in the camera? Or do you feel that um, it's just a few little niggles you have? Because you have high standards, and that's the thing I want yeah, people yeah, yeah. to understand. Like We are both camera phone gurus. We've been using them since... <laughs> The shittiest, pardon the yeah. the word, but it's true. F- cameras were on phones and trying to extract maximum performance from that for years now, and it's brought us to a point where you know we. I think we can pl- speak. You and I can both speak with a lot of authority, and that's kind of why I did. I did kind of call you the the guru that you were in the intro. I don't exactly remember what I said, but it was good. Yeah. So, so what is it? What do you think? Well, we'll come to the camera in a moment. One of the reasons why, in in a slightly controversially titled piece of review I put up today, (laughs) uh, the the, the compromised camera flagship, um, the compromise was more actually to do with the other aspects of the design, which I'll just cover briefly because then we can go into the camera in more detail. But essentially for an £800 flagship, 
in today's world, I do expect, especially for a camera flagship, a micro SD expansion. I know it's got 128 gigabyte, but you start shooting 4K videos, you start taking those raw DNG images, and you're going to fill that, and you're going to start or you start wanting to wish you could take the data, take the files, and put them somewhere else. So I, th I think it needed a card slot. There's no Qi charging, which is a crying shame. It's got that wonderful glass back. Just put wireless charging in. Um, there's no 3.5 mil jack again and again i rant about that every time i come across it because it's absolutely insane but, there's but masses let's, let's, of room I, I agree with you on these things but i also feel like we're nitpicking because there are there's another imaging flagship or a, a device that ends up turned out to be a pretty amazing uh you know and, and powerful imaging device that we all really love yeah. At least I can. I do love. I hope you do too. Which is the Pixel Two XL, which has all the same limitations. It doesn't have Qi wireless charging. Does not have a three point five millimeter headphone jack. Does not have removable storage. So I'm not sure we can fault the P20 that much. I mean, there is an entire new breed of phones that don't have these things. And and you know, I don't like. For example, I don't think that we're going to see wireless charging from from OnePlus on this next phone. Uh, Yet, you know, rumors are that it has a glass back. So I agree with you, but I feel that's like we're talking about things that are not necessarily very important to a lot of people. Uh, the headphone jack to me is, is the biggest thing here. Yeah, I yeah, think that yeah. is a huge compromise. But I mean, the other two, honestly, you know, these phones come with so much storage. I have never filled a phone with, 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 yeah, yeah. with content myself. I, I guess I don't keep them long enough. Some people do keep them two years. Uh, but yeah. then, you know, back up from the phone. It's, it's, I mean, Google, Google Photos is, you don't even have to back up from the phone. That's, I, I don't do that anymore. I just put everything in Google, right? Yeah, I, I feel I was nitpicking to a degree. But then again, this is an, in the UK, this is an 800 It's a very expensive phone. phone. It's, it's very, very How expensive. much is the Pixel 2 XL for you folks over there? Well, it was over eight hundred. If you get the higher model, but so, I think you know, it's come, I feel come my down comparison now. Yeah. is fair. I mean, you, you're going to say that you're buying a Pixel for the software experience. Yes, indeed. and in that sense, I would agree that for the same amount of money, the software experience yeah. on the like on the like I was going to say, oh my god, the <laughs> Huawei P20 and P20 Pro leaves a lot to be desired. Huh? Yeah, you also get the stereo speakers on that the uh, Pixel 2 XL, which I do love my front-facing stereo, and they're pretty good speakers. So you know, uh, the the I think I mean you're right about their front-facing, but the P20 Pro has has stereo speakers. Yeah, they are. Um, they're the, what I call faux stereo. So the top is just a tweeter, really. Um, right, it's, it's, it's like the, it's it's yeah. a two-way speaker, mono two-way. I agree with and, you. It's not really stereo, uh, but it does sound also, pretty good, right? It's also art of totally artificial because you get baked in Dolby Atmos, and it's enforced on. You cannot turn it off. When you're playing something over speakers, Dolby Atmos is always enabled and oh, you cannot disable it. for the speaker, it. you always have it on. I never really even noticed that because, yeah, you know, so, I always listen with headphones and so I yeah. turn it off then. Yeah, so basically, if you're listening to something like a YouTube video on Netflix on the P20 Pro speakers, and it sounds pretty good, but it sounds a, a tiny bit enhanced, which is fine. That's Dolby Atmos. Um, if you, I suspect the raw components aren't actually that capable and they can, therefore, they can only exist and sound halfway decent with Dolby Atmos which is which is why they disabled bit disabled it but the Pixel 2 XL speakers are much meatier right no I, I agree I mean it's still I think a pretty good one I feel that it doesn't live up to I've, one of my favorite speakers was the uh, Mate 10 Pro from Huawei last year yeah. I thought that was a pretty strong speaker for you know for better yeah. or worse I mean it, it's I think overall I feel that speakers on phones have gotten better 
They have Wouldn't absolutely agree, right, across, right? Yeah, right across the board. Yeah, absolutely. There, there was a time when I, we I think we took a step back. You know, remember the N95, and and, and then yeah. it, it kind of like went down for a while, and then <laughs> I think now we're getting going back up. And it's I think it's a very different experience. You know, they're using digital amps that that are very uh, able to measure the impedance of the speaker so that they don't blow them, and yeah. so they they do some some crazy processing to the audio, uh, which does not sound very natural but can make it sound loud, as it were. Uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't spend enough time listening with the built-in speaker to anything for more than a minute that said I don't really care. That's basically <laughs> the bottom line for me at this point. I should, I should mention that the Galaxy S9 and S9 Plus have tremendous speakers. I know they're also faux stereo, but they're really, really good. And, the Dolby, and, and to the extent that they're actually as loud and high quality as the P20 Pro when the Dolby Atmos on the S9 range is turned off, you then activate Dolby Atmos and something right. like Netflix on the S9 range, and it is absolutely stunning what Samsung and I think it's AKG who have tuned them have done. So really impressed. But I guess we should move back to the camera before people yeah, start. Yeah, I actually want to know before you go there because we're still we're really trying to tease <laughs> the audience here because you started by teasing. I thought we were going to jump right into the camera, and you went on a tangent there. That was great. Uh, they're they're hanging on the edge of their seats right now. Um, but the thing I want you know, since we, I, I don't want to just talk negatives, what are the things you do like? You know, not imaging, but on the P20 Pro, you feel they did well, they did right, and you're happy with? Well, I'm happy with the Motion UI. I know most people aren't, and apart from the rather juvenile renaming of it to 8.1, which seems a bit crazy, but I, I'm I'm very happy. I'm happy with the customizations. I like the theming engine. I love some of the the built-in wallpapers. The built-in tools are genuinely useful. I don't find EMUI gets in my way one one iota, and I certainly haven't criticised it for that. The screen is lovely on the P20 Pro. Um, it's maybe not quite up to the stellar level of Samsung screens, but you know it's not far off, and I have absolutely no complaints there at all. Um, it's definitely a better screen than the Pixel Two XL. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Which, you know, miles in the world better, yeah. of in the world of OLEDs, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, and I, yeah. you know, but that's that's a that's a you know that's the kind of question people are asking. I mean, these two phones are going to be cross shopped, right? So I I feel that you know that credit where credit is due. It is a really great display. I. Don't mind the notch because I I do believe in maximizing screen real estate. My biggest gripe with display, and it's not really the display, but more the design of the phone's front, is that it has a fingerprint reader in the front. Yeah, yeah. And it gives it a chin. And this is completely, it defeats the whole point of having a notch in the <laughs> first does. place. I mean, if you're going to have a notch, it's because you're trying to maximize screen real estate and yeah. you're making a compromise with the notch to maximize screen real estate. And I'm willing to live with that compromise if you don't have a chin or a very tiny bezel at the bottom, kind of like, you know, Samsung has a tiny bezel at the bottom. And, and of course, the iPhone has almost no bezel, the iPhone 10 at the bottom. But if you're doing what they're doing, which is, Putting a fingerprint reader in a little, very thin, to be honest, for you with you for a fingerprint reader sliver, uh, sliver chin, I think it's <laughs> ridiculous. And also, it makes the phone when it's turned off, sitting on a desk, and you don't see the notch. Uh, it makes it look old school. It makes it look like you have last year or two years ago's phone. Is that what you yeah. really want? I mean, I know it's an image thing, but phones are an image thing. People spend a lot of money on their phones. They want the they want to be considered like they have the best. That's why mid-range phones are copying flagships in design with glass sandwiches and all that stuff, left, right, and center. I think yeah. people have a right to want these things. 
And so I don't understand the strategy. I, I nailed them to the cross on this during my briefing. I asked them, I said, this is ridiculous. Why are you doing this? You did it right with the Mate 10 Pro, putting the fingerprint reader in the back. You used to have it in the back on most of your phones. And they said, well, you know, with the P10 last year, we decided to put it in the front. And we feel that this is a, a nice uniform design language for us. And I'm like, are you crazy? And it's the other <laughs> thing is it's a lie because here's the thing. The, on the honor line, some phones have the fingerprint reader in the back. Some have it in the front. So, I mean, they have definitely been more consistent on the Huawei phones to have the fingerprint reader in the front lately. But then again, you know, what about the Mate 10 Pro, right? Just came out six months ago. It doesn't have a fingerprint reader in the front. So I think it's the, they gave me a BS answer. And I think basically it was just like, Whatever, what, what I'm saying is that they still don't have any consistency in design across their brand, and they need to fix that. I mean, they have some great idea in design. I love the Twilight. I don't have the Twilight color. I'm so sad I don't have the Twilight color. The, the beautiful kind of going from a green to a purple through a blue colored back that the P20 Pro comes in. I have a black one. But I have to say that in terms of premium and fit and finish and materials, this is to me, up there with the Galaxy and the iPhone 10, which to me right now are the two phones that really define quality, fit and finish and materials. Wouldn't you say that? Absolutely. I, and I absolutely also agree with you about the front-facing fingerprint scanner. And because the, the P20 Pro is really, really oleophobic, both sides, it's so slippery. Now, at the moment I'm recording, it's, it's fairly hot in the UK and I've got slightly sweaty fingers, so it's, I'm gripping it okay. It's but there scary, are time, isn't it? There mm. are times of day when it slides off desks. There are times of day when it slides through my fingers. And the last thing you want to do when you're unlocking your phone and you're wrenching your thumb, angling it back, trying to hit that sensor is have the rest of the phone slide out of your, your grip. So I, given that Huawei know how to make good fingerprint sensors on the back of phones, I think the only reason they did it was to stay consistent with other models and also to, to keep the back looking super slick and super, super smooth for, for the camera up front. But it's not worth that compromise. It should have been on the back and you've had more display area, bigger screen. You can see what you're shooting, see what you're doing, and we wouldn't be complaining. Yeah, I agree. And it's it's really interesting to me that because this consistency doesn't really exist anyway. That's a fake argument. The P, the Mate 10 Pro yeah. doesn't have a fingerprint reader in the front. The the Huawei, uh, sorry, the Honor 7X doesn't have a fingerprint reader in the front. So the, the Honor 9 Lite doesn't have a fingerprint reader in the front. I don't know. The, the new Honor yeah. 10, which we're going to talk about briefly, does that have a fingerprint reader in the front? I don't think so. Let me look at it really quickly because... Yeah, it's in no, it's in the front. Okay, so they are kind of trying to be consistent, <laughs> I guess. Um, yeah. Anyway, onwards. <laughs> so we've talked about. I, I want to touch about on the. Soft, I know, I know, you want to go to imaging, but you know, we need to cover the rest because otherwise, we're not going to do it. So, um, <laughs> in terms of soft, you like you have no issues with M, uh, with EMUI. I no. the. I don't really have issues in EM, with EMUI as much as I used to. I feel that it's gotten a lot better. Um, it's nice that it's running Android 8.1. This is a really welcome thing. Very few flagships launching right now are running 8.1 that are not Pixel. Some have been upgraded to 8.1, but it's hard to find 8.1 out of the box on a flagship. When you think about it, it's ridiculous. This Android P is about to be released. I'll be at Google I.O. in May, soon, in two weeks, uh, and they'll be announcing it there, but that's typical Android. My qualm with EMUI is that by default, they're still trying to aim to make this phone look like an iPhone. Out of the box, that's the experience they're going for. 
And I find that repugnant and repulsive because that's not an Android phone. Like, I have an iPhone 10. I love it. I think it's phenomenal. I like the experience on it, but I have no qualms. I understand it's an iPhone. But copying the iPhone's look and feel, especially user experience, does, does not merge well with Android. And that's not what I expect when I use an Android phone. So why does it come out of the box with no app tray? You can change that, but why? And also, why is it so heavily skinned? It's still very heavily skinned, Steve. Even though it feels light on its feet because it's got a very fast processor, it's still overly ornamented and just, you know, like the, you know, you can skin that with a, or yourself with a launcher like Nova, but, or the Pixel launcher or whatever you want, but then you still have notification shade area that's weird you still have a settings area that's weird i don't know it just doesn't feel right to me and yeah, samsung has the same problem and it's gotten a lot better with samsung on the galaxy s8 starting last year with s8 note 8 and s9 but i still feel that it's a little too heavy-handed for me i want it even lighter than it is this this huawei software touch so that's my beef with it and you know yeah. the biggest beef I have is not actually that. It's that you and I both know this phone will never get updated. Yeah, they, people, one of the people in my Twitter stream was saying they had a P10 last year and it just got month after month after month where it went by and no updates. So I, I want to give Huawei the, the, the benefit of the doubt here, but there is evidence to support the fact they are not very good at updating every variant. Yeah, and that's and that's the problem. It's like... They're not going to update this phone, at least not in a timely manner. And and mostly, yeah. most importantly, they're not going to get security updates on this phone in a timely manner, which is more important than the actual OS updates, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I think that is where I'm like, this is the biggest caveat, honestly, if you're looking at buying this phone. It, it's like, it's not so much some of the things we're talking talk about Im with imaging and some of the little niggles we just discussed in terms of hardware and features. It's more like, do you want to deal with the software update hell you're going to be in and the having to spend a half a day skinning and customizing the phone so it feels and looks reasonable. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know. So anyway, I'm trying to think of anything else. Um, um, well, just coming the, back to your point there about the Pixel 2 XL being a valid competitor, especially at that high price point. Of course, the, the again, the central core thing about a Pixel device is it, it will get the monthly updates and I'll get those monthly right. updates for a very long time. That is a, for us, you and me, and probably a lot of people listening to this podcast, that is a huge, huge deal. And again, that swings me towards the Pixel 2 XL of, of the two devices. That is absolutely a must-have, I think, these days, you know? Yeah. And, and yet, so many companies compromise that and I just can't, I just can't handle it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, let's talk about the cameras. So I know that, well, I, I'm going to let you start because you wrote an article <laughs> all about Windows Phone, right? All about yep, Windows yep. Phone was the original article you wrote. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, I did mention this. Steve writes for a bunch of publications, all about Windows Phone is one of them. What's the other ones? Android Beat is the, the text. Android Beat, that's right. So, I keep yeah, forgetting yeah. it. Um, so the two, and, and I'll link to Steve's, both both of Steve's articles um, on, in the show notes. But yeah. Steve, take it away. What I want I want to first explain where you're coming from because there's a lot of people here who are kind of new to the 808 and 1020. They never used it. They don't know. They don't understand. They might have read about it, but let's let's give them a just a little bit of background, okay? 
Okay, well, back in 2006, 2007, um, Nokia's engineers, imaging engineers, said we, we need to find a way that we can do zoom in camera phones without these bulky optical assemblies, which are require, you know, you can't do that in a thin phone in any meaningful way. Let's think of a different way to do it. And they came up with this so-called pure view system where you've got a 40 megapixel sensor and essentially you have a large lens it's a large sensor and you smart crop into it and in for zooming and for as is photographs using the full sensor you rather than ship a 40 megapixel image which no one wants something that large you then oversample it and by oversampling with a clever algorithm you can take all the different pixels and their their information the subpixels you can combine them algorithmically into a really really pure at the time, it was a five megapixel image because five megapixels was kind of the sweet spot then. Um, and some of my 1020 and Nokia 808 shots, um, looking back now, and in fact, they still produce stunning shots at that resolution. Um, so that was the kind of the genesis of pure view. You get the purer images with the oversampling from the large sensor, and you get the fact that you can zoom by up to 2.5 times in completely, genuinely losslessly, um, again, smart cropping into that sensor. So one of the co-creators of PureView was Eero Salmalin. The other was Yuha al Haku, and I can never get his surname right, but hopefully that's close enough. But Eero is now head of You're imaging doing at Huawei. Than me. <laughs> <laughs> Eero is now at head of imaging at Huawei, along with one of the other, apparently one of the other PureView team members. So there's clearly some some uh, benefits there, and they've put this a 40 megapixel sensor into this P20 Pro. Now it's not used in quite the same way. It's it's got a quad Bayer. Um, filter effectively over the sensor so you blocks of red pixels subpixels blocks of blue blocks of green and so on so they're clearly using it in a slightly different way and maybe it's they can't use the the patented nokia oversampling i don't know but uh they they the same the same ideas there that you take the uh the pixels in this case calling them super pixels you know you can kind of think of that 40 megapixel sensor as being effectively a 10 megapixel sensor with super sized two two micron pixels at which point you start to get the benefits of you know lower noise and uh, better quality in addition to that you've got this three times optical zoom um and you've got a 20 megapixel monochrome and as you said when you came on my podcast the idea i think is it, quite a lot of the time is you've got at least two of these cameras running all the time and i suspect you're right sometimes it may even be three cameras running and basically it's up to the software and the, the high power chipset to massage all of this to use the right camera for the right job and to provide get data from the supplementing cameras to, to create a better image from whichever camera is being used. So in the case of, um, for example, a, a the shots in my in my test here, and people can look at the link in the show notes, um, you've got images mainly taken with that 40 megapixel main camera outputting, I think it's something like seven megapixels in its default 18 by nine mode. Um, and they are pixel binned, oversampled, however they've chosen to do it algorith algorithmically. But after taking such a shot, it says on the in the viewfinder, among other things, it pops up, uh, is please hold the phone steady, sharpening image. And what it's then doing is taking multiple exposures, um, with possibly with at least two of the cameras, and then feeding that data in to try and sharpen up to try and increase quality. And my biggest beef is not that all this is going on, because I think that, that the potential there is huge. I mean, you were really enthusiastic on my podcast, and I, I've been really enthusiastic on other podcasts about what can be done here. But my contention is that that the, what they call sharpening um, and applying processing, I think they've gone overboard. And if you look at the article in my comparison shots, I've been comparing it just at the sake of argument to the Galaxy S9 Plus output. Um, if you look at the, the one I've labelled, Miriam, in the show notes, test four, yeah. which is I was shooting a fountain 
and I was taking a crop of the uh, a zoomed crop of the base of the fountain. So I was using the three times a zoom lens on the on the P20 Pro, the 2.5 lossless uh, dig, um, pure view zoom on the Lumia 1020, and of course the two times telephoto on the Galaxy S9 Plus. The 1020 shot looks almost like it's real life, like you're looking through a window at moss on the stone and the trees in the background. It's just a really accurate representation of what your eyes would see. The S9 Plus kind of takes the reality and what I call reality plus. It just adds enough <laughs> sharpening and processing that it doesn't look real, but it also looks better than the 1020 to most people's eyes, which is, of course, where Samsung like to pitch their processing. But then the P20 Pro, which in theory should do better because it's got a, a three times lens. I mean, I know that the field of view is slightly different because of that. Um, but if you look at detail, it's all been lost. The trees in the background are just splodges of blue and um of black and green. Basically, and it's, and it's oil painting central. Um, it is, yeah. And you know what? I agree with you. This came as a huge surprise. I mean, okay, so let's rewind a little bit. On the surface, when you use the P20 at P20 Pro, and, and we, when you say P20 in this podcast, we're talking about the Pro. Just be very clear. So yeah. when you use the P20 Pro as a camera, you'll be really impressed with its performance at first sight. And it is truly impressive. Low light on that phone. I have I do believe it's it can gather more light than any other phone. Yeah. Even the Pixel 2 XL. And it has incredible dynamic range. Uh and again, this is not necessarily due to the sensors and the lenses used, but a lot of the computational aspects. But when you zoom in, when like when you use your phones or computer screen to you know pinch to zoom onto the photo or or use your mouse to you know blow up the photo in in your favorite photo editing or viewing app in your on your Windows or Mac computer, you'll see that it is a bit of a mess in terms yeah. of pixel, you know, pixels, what the pixels are showing. And yeah. that is the biggest disappointment that, that Steve is talking about compared to other phones that do a lot of computational photography, including the Pixel 2 XL, the Samsung Galaxy S9 and S9 Plus, and uh, older phones like the 808 PureView and 10 and 1020, right? Yeah. And that's really the thing. And this is, this is in a way, it's not really that big of a deal because it's really, to me, actually, I think what it is is heavy-handed processing, heavy-handed noise reduction, and oh my God, heavy-handed uh, sharpening. It's insane. <laughs> yeah. You can actually see the, the heavy-handed sharpening without zooming in on a photo. Um, so if, if Huawei dialed those back, or as you always advocate, Steve, and I'm completely with you hundred percent here, gave us a slider, um, a, yeah. a slider, a setting for it, we'd be in, in far better shape. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's, that's what I want to see. Yeah. And it's, it's the pixel two and the pixel before it and the HDR plus software from Google shows that you can do this right. You can do it and, and have insane detail at the pixel level. And it, you don't have to go overboard with heavy handed. And so one of my commenters on the story called it brutal processing. And that's absolutely right. They've taken the, 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 the raw mass of data and they brutally compressed oh, it's, brutally it's a mess. mangled it. It, yeah. it is really, really disappointing when you look up close but if you look at the photos without zooming on them you'll see a bit of sharpening if you have the you know if you know what to look for um like you'll see the excessive sharpening right away but i think overall i think you'll also be very happy i think that that the the, the for, for like for social media or something those photos are insane and 
And what it can achieve in low light, particularly in the night mode, where it's stacking sure, photos sure, left, yeah. right, and center, is insane. Like the dynamic range, you can stand outside of on the street in the dark, on like an, a dark night street, where there's just like, you know, a few uh, overhead lights from, uh, from lampposts and shoot a photo from like indoor, like from the inside of a, of a house or storefront. And normally the storefront, the insides of the storefront would be overblown or the street stuff would be too dark. With the Huawei P20 Pro, even if you don't use light, uh, the, the low light mode, you will get some really impressive dynamic range that shows shadows in the dark parts of the street, along with uh, some, some meaningful information inside the window of the store. And if you use night mode, it, it accelerates that even further. Uh, and, and that, to me, is, is the magic. That's where the phone... As, as really, really shines. I, I never thought that the, the zoom was going to be a big deal on this phone based on my experience with what Huawei's done on other phones before. And by the way, Steve, I want to point out, you mentioned this little processing uh, text that appears when you take a photo. That appears in almost any mode um, if, there, if the light content is a little low. Yeah. And it's not new to the P20 Pro. This has nothing, I don't think this has anything to do with the computational photography. This has everything to do with just basically processing the image and creating a JPEG. And because the, every phone they've made in the last year and a half has this, the, the Mate 10, Mate 10 Pro, the P10, P10 Plus. Uh, Why do they say the, hold it steady then? Why do they say hold the phone steady? That implies that I it's have, taking extra shots. To shot. me, I think it's, 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 poor, it's lost in translation. I don't think you need to do that <laughs> because I have literally not held the phone steady and gotten phenomenal results. <laughs> okay. I, I honestly think this is an artifact of a bad translation left over <laughs> from... You know, basically, it's just saying processing your photo. Please uh, you, wait. you know yeah. how you know how on the Pixel Two, Pixel Two XL, it says processing HDR plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exactly the same thing. It's got nothing to do with keep steady. What I think it's trying to tell you is that I'm processing this image. If you're gonna take another one, stay steady on the okay. next one. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Right. And and this is not P20 specific. This is completely <laughs> on every Huawei and Honor phone that's been made in the last two years. You can go as far back as the Mate Nine. I'm pretty sure possibly even the software update on the P9 to see this message. So I think that means nothing. Um, where I think I want a correction and say that I was potentially a little wrong is that I don't think it's constantly running all three sensors. And I don't think it's constantly aggregating from all three. I think it's mostly focusing, uh, pardon the pun, on the 40 and the 20, being the RGB color one and the monochrome one for yeah. most auto shots. As soon as you start zooming, it brings in the content from the zoom lens as its primary, uh, yeah. Once you know, get primary times, element, yeah. and um, and then I think that in in the uh, yeah, but I think that's that's where my correction is. I think that even in night mode, you are not no, night mode. You're not even even dealing with the zoom lens. The other thing that I want to discuss with you is, is really controversial is OIS. So iFixit took apart the phone. And they found that all three sensors have OIS. And, and of course, it might not be enabled, right? Like in software, but it's there physically. The modules, all three of them have OIS. 
Yeah. And I, I we have a know theory. <laughs> that Huawei, and I want to hear it. I, I, we know that Huawei has said that the only OIS that's enabled, or at least that they, they publicly admitted to, is on the zoom lens, which if you think about it, makes sense. It really does. It, yeah. You can't correct for, for, on an 8 megapixel sensor. You cannot correct for this kind of level of shake on a three times optical zoom without some sort of optical stabilization. So good kudos to them. But here is the question. The question is, and, and here's the other thing. Who did I read about? Uh, somebody's review, or Marques Brownlee's review. And I, I know Marques is not a, you know, I mean, he's a, definitely a good at cameras. Like, he, he knows his cameras, but I'm not sh- sure he knows Huawei that well. Like, I think in the past, he's kind of never really spent too much time reviewing their phones. And, and so it caught me by surprise when in his review, and, you know, he's somebody who gets his facts right, he says all three lenses of OIS. Because where did he get that from? Did he get that from iFixit? Did he make an assumption based on what he read on iFixit? Did somebody at Huawei tell him it's three times three? Does he know something we don't? Because my impression, everything that I've read, everything I've been told by Huawei is that the only one that has OIS is the zoom lens and the rest is done using software. And I believe that because the software, there's definitely stability on that phone is really impressive. Even video stability at 1080p at least is impressive. Uh, possibly better than on the Pixel 2. But what about those two other lenses? They have the mod, the module has OIS, it supports it. Are they using it? What is your thought? Well, if you look at the viewfinder when you're using the various lenses and the various modes, you can usually tell in the viewfinder whether there's the telltale slight lag and, and slight I'm not um, seeing off. that there. I'm not seeing but- it. Precisely, as that's my point. Because if you go to the three times and lens and do it on a zoomed shot, you see it. it. Then you see it, and so absolutely, OIS is only active on the zoom lens. What I think's happening is that they they pr- put the hardware in there and they tried all three lenses with OIS and their um, software based stabilization, yeah. and then they found that the two systems were fighting against each other. Now on older phones, and I'm thinking of maybe my beloved Lumias, maybe in the past. Um, where you could actually have uh, the, the electronic or software stabilization and OAS, and, they, and the two were sufficiently far apart in, in terms of performance that they did actually help each other, and certainly on video mode. Um, but uh, here, they've got such a fast chipset and such capable electronics, um, and they're able to process things so fast, as you say, with the night mode and so forth, that uh, the, the, the software frame-based stabilization is working so well that OAS actually just complicates the matters, and they found they were getting worse results. So they say, hey, turn OIS off apart from the telephoto lens and just use the software stabilization. And as a result, as you see, the, the, the night modes and low-level shots, they're absolutely fine. So I think they made the right call. You know, I think they did. It's interesting, though, that I am pretty confident that it does have the hardware and it's not enabled only for the zoom lens, as we just mentioned. So yeah. Marquez, if you're listening, I doubt Marquez is listening to my <laughs> podcast. But if you are... um. Maybe yeah, revisit that. I'm sure that I didn't read the comments on his video, but I'm sure somebody probably chimed in about that. Um, yes, it's there, it's, it, but it's not used, so it doesn't really mean anything. Uh, I, I, but the, what is your take on the, on the digital, what they call AI stabilization, AIS? What, what do you think? I think it's working. It's good, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The, the, the stabilization of the, the frame for taking low-light shots and even and even in video mode, as long as it's low enough, 1080p, 30 frames a second, all of that is absolutely working. And when they say AI, I kind of think of the the the, the scene modes, the effects that pop up when you're taking a photograph. Oh my god, I hate that mode. Yeah. 
I hate that mod. <laughs> well, I don't well, know why you hate it too. Bear with, bear with me. But at the moment, okay. I hate it. But, but in in principle, the idea and my Samsung were playing with this back on the um, what the Galaxy uh, S4 Zoom and so forth, and even before that, and um, where you, it would literally um, Sony does it on almost every phone and almost yeah. every camera that they make. In yeah. fact, uh, yeah, this is not RX one hundred. Uh, yeah. The the what is it? The the E mount cameras. Uh, I have yeah. I have one. Uh, NEX cameras now called Alpha have those things too, right? Yeah, the, but the idea that they can all be done automatically, that you quite literally point your P20 Pro at a flower pot or a, a, a pint of beer or a flower or, in my case, a waterfall or a landscape or, or a tower, and there's en enough processing power to recognize what it's looking at and to optimize all the different shooting parameters in terms of shutter speed and exposure and contrast and sharpening cough cough okay, in theory in theory all of that can be beautifully optimized for every single subject that's in its database and it in theory it should be able to do a better job at the moment i think that's very much in its early stages i think they are still tweaking that i think we will see improvements to that in updates there's one of my test shots that was of a, a landscape at a, a a national trust country park in the uk and most of the scenery was you know green it was trees and grass and so forth but it, it detected greenery as the scene mode great it then proceeded to make the entire photo almost billiard table green <laughs> it <was just> like, <laughs> it like it was painted on with a, a, a roller paint yeah um, i've noticed that too yeah so i so i agree with you that per per se there's nothing wrong with the idea it's just the implementation yeah yeah and and i also want to say that you know we've been i think pretty clear about this but i just want to reiterate again that all the computational photography stuff that's happening on the huawei p20 pro is sound and is done really well. It's the final processing, I think, that's broken. The yeah. final noise reduction pass and, and, and sharpening pass that is just not right. And, yeah. and I think that the combining of the sensors data is, is actually what they're doing properly. Because if you can, you know, if you look at the raw output, and I want to talk about this. Did you see that article that was put in a, that Twitter thread? Sorry, Twitter thread we had we were yeah, discussing, yeah. Uh, somebody dropped a Petapixel article, which I will link to in the show notes, Yeah, yeah. where somebody took a, a Canon 5DS and compared it with the P20 Pro. In raw mode. Yeah. In raw mode, right. And so in raw, the results are wow. I mean, I know, yeah. And this is where you can tell that the sharpening and noise reduction is overwrought. I mean, this... This is incredible. I was blown. I was even more blown away than what I was, than, than how impressed I was with, say, night mode um, by when I saw the results of that. So now, of course, that's not yeah. practical. You're not going to, you know, all the <laughs> photo editors on phones today support raw processing, to be honest. So you could potentially. But who other than me and Steve and maybe, <laughs> you know, a few other folks that we know, like uh, uh, Gavin, are going to do that, right? Yeah, like yeah. that is not going to happen. So I don't think that's reasonable to expect, but there's so much potential here. I really hope Huawei doesn't move on to the next phone and ignore what they've done here. And I mean, the yeah. next phone probably will refine on this, but I just feel like, please give us some software updates, Huawei, to fix yeah. these issues with the camera. They're so minor, yet have so much impact. Yeah, that article with the raw photographs, um, the DNG files from the P20 Pro, just shows how much can be done 
with that sensor, just in, in fact, just as it was with the Lumia 1020 and Nokia 808 before it, if you take a 40 megapixel sensor and you produce a, a raw image from it, you're going to get a stunning amount of data to work with and produce a stunning image. And of course, the P20 Pro, it's a newer sensor, more sensitive, higher technology. Uh, and as a result, yes, great results. And it shows that, as you say, that the, the problem is in the, the stage when it get, takes that and it then processes it and puts it through the, the noise reduction, the sharpening, the compression to JPEG. All of those three stages need looking at. Yeah, you're right. The, the JPEG compression seems to be pretty heavy handed as well. Yeah. So, so it's a mixed bag. But I don't want you to think that you should hold back if you want to buy a P20. I think a uh, pro. I think that, you know, I would be more concerned about what's the update roadmap going to look like, not just yeah. for these, the, the imaging performance updates, but for just in general, getting Android P on this phone, getting the security updates in a timely manner, um, and all that other stuff. But overall... Yeah. Uh, I think it's a really solid foundation. And, you know, I feel this is a, one of the big milestones of 2018 in, in terms of moving mobile telephony and move mobile tech forward. And I feel that, you know, Huawei's always been a pretty strong player, but this really uh, gels their, I don't know, it gels their presence in, in the pantheon, I think, of of phone manufacturers to me. I mean, I had, I was, they were getting there pretty rapidly before, but I feel that, you know, Samsung and, uh, and Apple have proven their worth. Um, but, uh, but Huawei was still kind of a little bit on the side. And now this phone to me just, you know, and I would say, I would like to add Google to that Pantheon because obviously, uh, even though they don't make their own phones, technically now, and now they might be because they acquired most of HTC, but <laughs> you know, okay. I just mean that Huawei is coming of its own with this phone in many yeah. ways. If if my various articles and my reviews have come across as um, very overcritical, then let, let me just put it into context. When people said, okay, there's the new Huawei phone coming out, it's going to be camera-centric, it's going to be have three cameras, one of which will be a, a Nokia-esque pure-view 40 megapixel sensor, massive processing power. I thought, this is it. This is, this is the one that the, the top rated the best camera phone that's ever been made i was so looking forward to it and it's only that my criticisms come from the fact that i'm generally left disappointed its output i would say is is comparable to in many ways to things like the galaxy s9 plus and even to the lumia 950 xl and that's a good baseline but the point is it should be better i was disappointed and it can it, be and it, 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 can it should be. be better and I honestly think that if you want right now, if you are taking a low light photo and you are willing, you know, you don't need to do a handheld for four seconds, which obviously is one of the most magical things. And when the night mode on the P20 Pro that it gives you a perfectly awesome yeah, photo yeah. that's handheld for, you know, keeping it going for that long, four, six, eight seconds. Um, if you don't have that limitation and that's not as important to you and you want low light photography that today right now the output is not compromised the pixel 2 xl is still the king of the roost uh i believe that you could use a you know 950 but i don't think it's not it's quite that good in low light and and the 1020 and the 808 certainly are good in low light but they are not they're not usable phones today they're right are, they, are, they are a bit archaic yeah the s of course the galaxy s9 does very well in low light it does I, okay yeah. i think it's still not in the same league as the pixel 2 in low light though 
I mean, you compare them side by side, and it's just like it's really close. But even the iPhone X is decent in low light. I mean, let's not you know let's not lie here. This is this is a good (laughs) phone. It's just that the Pixel Two had that extra edge because of the computational stuff it was doing, and they were able to balance out these this the the final processing to and and kind of nailed it. And I think they obviously have refined it over time, right? Yeah, I think what we need, Miriam, is a Pixel 3 XL with a triple camera. Uh, <laughs> so you've got the, the HDR Plus software, but with a wide angle, a standard, and a telephoto zoom oh lens. Oh, my God. And, and that would with, be with Google, Google's magic stitching them together. Then you and I can retire off to a Caribbean island somewhere. Oh, I'm looking forward Job to done. that. Job yes, done. margaritas for all. <laughs> um, listen, we have about 15 minutes left. Let's maybe spend a couple more minutes talking about some final you know, thoughts on the P20 Pro. And, and let's go to the news because I think we've actually covered everything somehow in 45 minutes. Would you say? Yeah, I do. Yes. Yeah. Go I mean, so, so final thoughts. Um, you know, I'm going to give you some categories. Display. Give me a, a, a number between, you know, one and 10. I'm going to give it 10. Let's be generous. Okay, the display is really good. Okay. Uh, design? Uh, nine. Okay. Uh, okay, so I agree with you on the display. I'll give it a 10. Uh, design, I'll give it, uh, it's, yeah, I, I, I would say maybe an eight just because of that fingerprint reader in the front <laughs> really, really yeah. bugging me. Oh, as I mentioned, we didn't talk about this, but there's a way to quote unquote, it's not really turn it off, but turn off the notch, which is the best implementation yep. I've seen yet. Uh, of all the notched phones. I mean, there's more coming. The G7 is coming. The OnePlus 6, they all have notches. We'll see how they implement it. But the Huawei P20 and P20 Pro here have this thing where basically it it turns the status bar black and the text on it stays white. And so it basically, the notch blends into that and it makes it look like a Galaxy S9. Uh, as a result, but it's really cheating because you're still actually using the real estate on either side of the notch. So it's actually a really clever way to do it. Agree, and and that's great. So uh, can, I would can give I just say this, that when the iPhone yeah. came out with the notch, that's what every geek, including myself, was saying on minute one, day do one, that. Of the exactly. iPhone 10. That that's the Absolutely. way to do the notch. And Apple still hasn't done it. Like in in portrait, if they don't want to have a setting, because I understand Apple is anti-setting and, and customization. Fine, then. In landscape mode, automatically turn off the notch like that. Yeah. yeah. Right? But th- That's all you have to ha- do, Apple. You go landscape and it's blacked out. That's really simple. Anyway, so 10 to the display. Eight, I give it an 8 on design. Audio. Uh, audio, I would give 7 because it hasn't got that 3.5 mil jack. I have tried the adapter. And, you know, the, the adapter works. You've got to not lose it. But I dislike Miriam. When you plug the adapter in and you've got the headphones plugged in, you hear a kind of a digital squawk, which is quite loud in the headphones. And I have this on the Pixel 2 XL as well. And the the act of plugging a computing accessory into a computer usually results in some kind of electronic noise. And if you've got if that involves headphones, you do hear it. And that that just annoys me. So there are yeah, there are there's I could rant about this for ages. Yeah, there's a pop when I um my dongle, I mean the best one I've heard, and I don't have one, but I've heard it, is the Razor phones dongle. 
It is, yeah, it's, it's very good. It's a twenty-four bit ninety-six compliant dongle. It's really good. My second favorite is the Essential Phone dongle. It sounds really clean, really good. Yeah. Um, the Pixel Two and the Huawei dongle are okay. The one you want a digital, and I'm going to all, I'm purely talking about digital USB Type C dongles here, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the one to avoid is the HTC U11 dongle. It's it's <laughs> really quite terrible, um, and so. Uh, audio, I would give it, a, I would agree with you, probably a seven. Um, next category, imaging, camera, what would you give it? Uh, so let two, <laughs> two numbers. What if they fix, what if they can fix some of the things that we talked about and what, what does number as it is today? If they fix the things we're talking about, 10, it may be even 11 out of 10 because it can be superlative. At the moment, I'm going to give it an eight. Okay. Wow, you are actually. Uh, I'm surprised about that. Okay, I'll give. Uh, if I think if they can fix things, I'll give it a nine. Just because I don't think anybody's made the perfect camera phone yet, and ten would be reserved to that. It's like the XO mark <laughs> above one hundred. It's like how is that possible? Um, and then, um, and then I give it an eight as well right now. Um, and then what else? Uh, what other categories? Uh, performance and battery life. Uh, at t 10 and 10 it's very fast very smooth and the battery lasts just like last i rage. do feel it's a little more sluggish than the 845 base phones i've used so far and i think the kirin 970 is kind of a halfway in performance between the 835 and the 845 and i'm noticing and i'm feeling it i don't know if it's a software implementation of this heavy uh heavy-handed ui but I would not give it, I would give it an eight in performance and definitely a 10 in battery life. That 4,000 milliamp hour battery is a, mir a miracle. And this phone will easily last two days at this point for me. Yeah, I should put the um, performance thing in context. Remember, I do cover Windows phones and I, have the, oh, right. I also, I always even um, cover iPhones to a degree. So I am... All of these Android phones, they all seem incredibly fast to me after some of the other stuff I'm forced to use. Okay. Uh, what's the last category? Uh, let me think. Software. Yeah, software, no issues. I mean, there's the usual, a few duplicate applications. You have to do a bit of messing around. But the same with my Samsung Galaxy S9, Miriam. The first hour or so is spent messing around with the home screens and getting the, getting the apps you want and, and hiding the rest you don't want. But that's, that is normal for an Android phone. And the regular users will just take it out of the box, use whatever to hand, and they'll have absolutely no problems. So I can't complain. Um, nine out of 10. Okay, I'll give the software a seven. I just don't like EMUI. I feel that heavy skinning, it's still heavily skinned to my liking, even though it's much lighter than previous EMUIs. I would give the Galaxy S9 as a point of reference an eight on that, and I would give the Pixel 2 XL a 10. So that gives you an idea where I'm at. I would give phones like the OnePlus, the Moto phones, the uh, maybe the U11. I'd probably give the U11 an 8, but I'd give the OnePlus and the Moto phones that are almost pure Android, like Essential Phone, I'd give those a 9. So that gives you the scale for me. 7 yeah, for, the, for, the, <laughs> for the Huawei. And then uh, the final one is price and availability. So for me, that's going to be skewed because it's not available in the US. But um, I want to throw your thoughts on, I mean, this is, is the price, is it worth its price knowing that Two factors. Number one, you can buy one plus phone. Uh, I don't know how much a new one's going to be, but I'm sure it's still going to be uh, less than six hundred US dollars. That's my yeah. guess. Uh, and 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 of course, a lot of flagships are around the thousand US dollars, eight hundred pound uh, gorilla. Haha, <laughs> the eight hundred pound gorilla. Ah, this is so funny. Um, but anyway, what what do you think? Is it too much? Is it too little? Is it okay? 
I think it's too much. Um, I'm comparing it side by side now with my Samsung Galaxy S9 Plus and that the prices are more or less the same. And yet the one phone has got just every feature under the sun, right down to heart rate sensors and oxygen saturation in your blood and and so forth. Yes, the P20 Pro has a potentially better camera, but in every other aspect from screen to, to performance to audio um, to jacks and every single area, the S9 Plus has it completely whacked. So yeah. by that, by that argument, wireless charging, it, micro SD support, yeah, all yeah. absolutely right. So this water, really needs water to be Water resistance, which by the way exists on the P10, uh, sorry P20 Pro, less so on the P20, but yeah. the P20 yeah. Pros is only IP67. I think the uh, Galaxy S9 is IP68, right? Yeah. So again, yeah, you're right. In terms, of if you if you want everything but the kitchen sink, and you're spending your money on per feature, the the Galaxy wins. Yeah. I, I feel it's too expensive. Um, I agree, but I don't think it's that much expensive. I think seven hundred pounds. You know what I'm saying? Like I just knock it, knock a hundred pounds off. Or I tell you what, if they'd fixed, they got the software right and put in a sharpness slider and hadn't messed things up, they could have charged eight hundred pounds over here. Right. And do you know right. what? We'd have said just like the Lumia 1020 back in the day. We'd have said. You know, to heck with it. I want the best imaging in a phone camera. This is and I'll it. I'll pay for it. Yeah. And that's the problem. It's not. Exactly. So what yet. do you give it out of 10? <laughs> a price of six. <laughs> okay. And of course, it's available widely for you. For us, it's it, not it available. Is. It's gray market only. You can buy it on Amazon in the US. You won't get a warranty. So it's not a lost cause. The prices are a little on the high side because, of course, import, uh, you know, the, the rarity makes it makes yeah. the price go up not so much the import duties that's not really a big deal in the u.s at this point so far although with our protectionist regime i wouldn't be surprised it changed um <laughs> but the reality is is enough people that come and go between china and the u.s that uh you can probably still continue buying these phones at a reasonable price in, on the gray market so i would give it probably a seven because again it's hard to obtain here but but if i was living in europe i'd give it probably an eight yeah it'll be readily available on the second hand market of course and then huawei prices don't usually hold up anywhere near as well as say the um the google pixels yeah the samsung phones i mean they fall at a steady rate of knots but the lg and huawei phones on the second hand market and um people listen to my podcast will know that there's a, a classified forum that many of us use to buy sell and swap PSCforum.co.uk. Um, and the Huawei phones don't generally hold their value very well. So if my point is that if you want to get a P20 Pro without having to pay £800, you've literally just got to wait two, three months and you will get one for not far off half that. And by then, they'll actually possibly have updated it and made the camera work better. So it's a win-win. So wait is basically, honestly, you don't need to be the first kid on the block with this phone. It's, yeah, yeah. it's fine. Plus, by two or three months from now, we might have an idea what Google is up to. Because we might have hit a hint at Google I.O. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. So let's talk about the news. Um, there's a bunch of items. Let's maybe go through them in order here because actually uh, I think I kind of put them in order. Usually I don't, but this time I more or less got it right. Um, so look for the in the show notes for Steve's stories on all about Windows Phone and Android Beat and that Petapixel story and the iFixit teardown. Um, G7 officially yesterday, LG sent me a press release saying uh, we have the best ever made display on a phone of all time because that's what they would say, of course. <laughs> um, the takeaway is that the G7 display is a 1440p display, meaning a 2K um, Quad HD display. With uh, It is IPS, and it's one of the brightest displays ever made. 
and it has a notch and very little bezel and clearly from the screenshots they showed there's a way to turn off the notch it's very much the same as on the on the yp20 and p20 pro so that's that's an actual piece of news came out last night uh this morning for you in the in uk and uh, i'm excited about it i'm relook i'm actually getting briefed about the g7 very soon and i'm looking forward to to finding out more about this phone your thoughts yeah. on that Absolutely. And the fact that this is using an IPS display, not AMOLED, is really interesting. Although I'm a huge fan of AMOLED screens because I like the colors and I like the infinite blacks and so forth. At the same time, IPS displays have been getting so good. Um, and the number of things you, you do on a smartphone these days, which does have a white background, you know, web browsing being the obvious example, but Gmail being another. And yes, I know many phones, including this, the Samsung here, can theme an awful lot of the interface. But a lot of the time you will be looking at white. It's very battery inefficient and it wears out the AMOLED screen. We've seen the ghosting issues. AMOLED screens were used heavily on a phone. Within two or three years, that, that screen's basically going to be shot, whereas I've got phones with LCD panels, IPS panels, which are six, seven, ten years old, and they still look as good as the day I bought them. So in principle, if they can get a, a, an IPS LCD panel that is absolutely top-notch and super bright, then it's going to last a lot longer and won't have the, the burn-in issues. So I'm all for it. Yeah, no, I think it's really exciting. And it's really, I think this is potentially the first display with a notch that's quad HD that I know of. So that's yeah. exciting. Um, so we'll, <laughs> we'll have to wait and see what the, um, you know, this phone brings to the table. We don't know too much else. Uh, there's lots of rumors. Um, the, the leaks so far show uh, clearly that there is a dual camera system in the back. I presume it's going to be a wide angle and a regular yeah. Uh, like before, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of LG's phones, so I'm looking forward to this phone. Yeah. Can uh, I draw your attention? Yeah. Can yeah. I draw your attention in the image to the fingerprint sensor in the right position on the back? And can I draw your attention also to the <laughs> fact that it's it's got a headphone jack in? So, and it's presumably got wireless charging. So LG's G7 is you know out looking very good. Yeah, and B20. probably a Snapdragon 845, and it does have to a bit of a chin at the bottom, but it doesn't look like a massive chin, which is good and. Yeah, overall, it looks good. Um, stay tuned. There's also very much th another strong rumor about this phone is that it has a dedicated Google Assistant button, just like yeah. the, the Bixby button on the Galaxy S9. So for those of us who like Google Assistant, that's actually pretty nice. Uh, yeah, so let's move on to the next uh, bit of news, which I think is, you know, I think the... You know, we now know that the one the OnePlus 6 is launching on the 16th of May, um, there's going to be a big event in London. Maybe you should go to that. Uh, there's a, they're selling tickets for pretty cheap. I don't know if you can make it down to London for that, but yeah, the the previous events have been in other places around the world. I really should try and make this one. Uh, having said that, I have bought the last two OnePlus um, devices each year, and each year I'm always a tiny bit underwhelmed. I'm excited the fact that this is genuinely good value, and they've really packed a lot in, and they haven't ditched features that I love. I'm excited by that, but at the same time, everything. Nothing really excels. Uh, when I pick up, for example, the Google Pixel, or I pick up the Samsung, or I pick up one of my you know Nokia's from the past. There's this a unique feature that is absolutely stunning. The OnePlus phones are just incredibly good all-rounders, and this looks like another incredibly good all-rounder. It won't be too expensive, but it will have everything you need. Um, will it actually excite me? That's the where the the jury's out. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I think you can't really have the expectation for OnePlus to excite you. 
I think uh, that's the whole point. <laughs> the whole point is that you're getting flagship performance and flagship features for a lot yeah. of less money. And as such, um, you know, you're getting you're getting a pretty decent phone for, for the money. You're getting almost flagship grade. Um, you know, but yeah. it's not it's very evolutionary. Every year it's very evolutionary. And so people forget that. And I wish they didn't, you know. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's it looks like a great a great phone. I will certainly get one in for review by hook or by crook. And I say if, if it comes in the last one I think was five hundred or so. Um if this comes in at less than six hundred with the specifications that rumored, then it's still going to be undercutting the likes of the Galaxy S nine plus by a good two hundred pounds or so. I think the distinguishing feature on the on these phones has always been that they're fast and have high-end specs that really, um, you know, they're really light on their feet. Um, and they have a great uncluttered software experience uh, on, you know, and they get up yeah. to dates relatively reasonably fast. Um, the rest is always very evolutionary. The camera is never really that impressive, but it, it's not horrible. And I think... That's what we're going to get. Honestly, I think this is going to be this, but I'm a little more excited because I have a feeling, honestly, that this is going to be a little more special. The, the thing that's going to really make it a little more special or just another OnePlus is the pricing this time, not so much what it brings to the table. That's my guess and my hope. So I don't know. Um, Go on. I was a bit, just a bit disappointed by the, the fact that they've trailed, they've got a notch, which is fine, but they've also trailed the fact that at, at launch, they won't be able to hide it, but there'll be a software update coming soon, which will hide the notch. And that seems crazy. These other phones are already out there with a, a very obvious way, absolutely blindingly obvious way to hide the notch and make use of those chins either side of the sensors. And it's for OnePlus to say, no, we can't ship that at launch. We need a few more months to write the code. Seems rather disappointing. Yeah, well... That's the problem, you know. I, I think they do. They often do stuff like this. Google is also very, very much about beta everything. So I'm not too worried about it. I think I think it's disappointing, but I'm not like this is like minute stuff at this point. Um, there's a couple of more news items, or maybe three more, that are really about last week. But I didn't squeeze them in last week's podcast because either we didn't have time or. Uh, they just happen the same day, which is really often the case. Um, Moto announced their G's, the new G and E series phones, the G6. Uh, there's a G6 uh, Plus and a G6 Play and a G6. And there's an E5 Plus and E5 Normal and E5 Play. In the US, we're not getting the G6 Plus and we're not getting the E5 regular. I think we're, so we're getting two of the three of each. <laughs> Uh, and not the same ones, like not the, you know, it's interesting. But anyway, overall, what is your take on these phones? Have you, did you read up on that? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I'm looking at the the grid now showing, for example, the, the, the different models and the specifications. And my, my take is that even you were confused talking about it then. Motorola are sho shoving out so many models each year with, with, I appreciate they're all at different price points. And, and they have particular demographics they're targeting. But for the likes of you and I and most of your listeners, we're not actually interested in these unless it's for a family member or a friend who's got a limited budget, at which point we say, well, what's your budget? This is the, the most Motorola you can have for your budget. Yeah, I mean, I feel that it, to me, I think of them as a little more special than that because they are they are always pri very competitively priced for their performance and features and design. And in oh, terms sure. of yeah. software, they're always very uncluttered 
and clean and purish. Yeah. So I tend to recommend them. I have I have a fond spot for these phones. The the uh, E4 absolutely. last year in the US, just to give you a perspective, the E4 is available on Verizon Wireless for 80 US dollars. Amazing. And at that price point, it is hard to beat. Um, the G5 uh, was never available. I think it might have been available some carriers, but it was mostly sold unlocked here. And, you know, I recommended it wholeheartedly. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they're doing with the G6 and, e and E5. What I'm particularly excited about, to be honest with you, is that they're doing a glass sandwich at that price point on is some it? models. So that's exciting. Yeah, the G phones have always been great to recommend to people. And say, with their budget, if I, if Miriam, if I was to say to you, Go and pick yourself a smartphone, any smartphone price, no object. You wouldn't even look at these. But for someone who is coming to you saying, Miriam, I can spend, in your case, $300, then this is an absolute no-brainer. I completely agree. Totally. Uh, uh, up there in my same in that same category would be the, the Honor 7X here in the US. And in Europe, you have a lovely Honor phone that we don't get here called the Honor 9 Lite, which are all both very, very competitive uh, as yeah. well. Um, so moving on, I mean, just wanted to make sure you guys knew that the darling of the mid-range is come out with a new updated phone, and we're looking forward to getting our hands on it. Um, the other one is uh, the Honor 10. So this is not something we're going to get in the US at all. And so you might have more to say because this is going to be your market, right? Uh, Honor's new flagship. Well, I did have a play with the View 10 at the launch of the 7X, yes, so I kind of know what to expect. And I... But it's interesting that they just did the View 10, right, with a with a 970 chipset, based off of the the May 10 Pro, uh, basically May 10, and this is basically looks like it's based off the P20 in terms of its design language and stuff. But it's uh, what what else does it bring to the table? Like other than a notch display, and the the back the back glass cover that's got that rainbow finish. <laughs> It's very is, hard. It's yeah. hard to answer the question: What do these phones at these price points bring to the table? Because the answer is all in the bang for buck. It's the it's how much I mean, they provide the for view the value. Ten for no, the price was impressive. I mean, yes, you were compromising compared to a Mate Ten Pro, but you were getting a pretty impressive package for the money. And I have a feeling this is going to be the same thing. If you don't want to, honestly, this is actually eating the P twenty and the P twenty. Uh, potentially more like the P the P twenty lights lunch, right? I th I can't emphasize this point enough. Really, in the Android world, and these are prime examples: the Motorola phones and the View Ten and the Honor Ten here. The, the Android world, there is a good smartphone at almost every price point. In the Windows phone world, I kind of come from. Um, they've they've more or less died out now. There's one model left, and it's and it's a ridiculous Snapdragon two hundred powered, and that that's the the sole remaining really selling model and it's ridiculously underpowered in the iphone world everything sort of starts much higher and is much higher specified and there's not like, obviously much choice it's only apple sell it but in the android right. world there is so much diversity so much variation in performance and value and functionality and design i mean the design is an arguable thing because there's so many of them are glass labs now but there is still so much variety and i, I just can't complain it the number of options that are coming up week after week, even on a weekly podcast such as this, you've got news to share about brand new devices. Yeah, I mean, just to be clear, the only reason I'm bringing up the Honor 10 is because it is the Honor flagship and we should at least mention it because, well, yeah. Huawei has that brand and they do some cool stuff. Um, moving on, I want to really touch upon what you said, the disappointing rumors that the OnePlus 6 will not ship with uh, the notch being defeatable in software. 
Um, this news is actually a little old now, but with Google I.O. coming up soon and the fact that I didn't mention it in a previous episode, I wanted to resurface it. And, and a lot of talk of notches uh, with the G7, OnePlus 6, P20 is that the, the um, you know, the, the Android P will probably have a way to manage the notch. And in addition to that, will apparently have a, a, a way to do gestures like the iPhone 10. Uh, instead of the the three buttons at the bottom, and yeah. you know the iPhone 10 is a very very well done implementation of that. I feel that I cannot go back to a regular iPhone or iPad now with a home button after using the iPhone 10. It feels so old and arcane and and out of place. And I feel that Apple has done a very good job. So I'm I'm hoping Google doesn't botch this and it's actually well done because so far I really feel that they there is no proper implementation yet from third parties on gestures on Android. It's it doesn't feel smooth. It doesn't feel right. And and I'm not sure that unless it's baked into the US, it's going to be done right. So I'm kind of excited about this this announcement. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. But we should mention, by the way, on the, the Huawei P20 and probably the P20 Pro, the Pro's got it here. You can switch the navigation from on-screen controls to doing the gesture, the side gesture for the multitasking carousel on, on the fingerprint sensor, which at least give it, gives it some purpose, Miriam. So we were very hard on the sensor in terms of design, but at least it's got that going for it. It saves you some more space on the display. Indeed, indeed. Um, so um, I think we should wrap it up. I know you've got to get going soon, and I want you to tell everybody where they can find you. I think we haven't really talked about the the, the thing you do that I think is is your your trademark, and, and that's your podcast. So p- please please share with my audience where they can find you. Well, it's just stevelitchfield.com, and there is a T in Litchfield, which is a common mistake. And it's a site that was created in Notepad about uh, 20 years ago, and I've been tweaking <laughs> ever since. Um, and it was based on table design. That's how we did. We all did websites back in the late 1990s, but sorry for that. But I am trying to tweak it, and over the course of 2018, I'm trying to make it a bit more modern and a bit more responsive. But yeah, stevelitchfield.com. It's got my video podcast, my audio podcast, and various other uh, bits of interest. Uh, what's your podcast called? Uh, well, the, the the phone show is my main video podcast and phone show chat is the audio one, which, of course, you have guested on several times. Yes, I have. And I just wanted you to mention that because I think the name is, while very obvious, is very unique. And everybody kind of knows when you talk about the phone show, it's Steve's show, right? And when you talk yeah. about the phone show chat, it's Steve's podcast. So you guys know where to find me. I'm at Tankerl. That's T-N-K-G-R-L, just like the comic book character without the vowels. That's how you'll remember it. Very easy. Uh, that's me on Twitter. That's me on Instagram. Um, the podcast is the Mobile Tech Podcast, mobiletechpodcast.com. Please subscribe. Uh, we're available on Pocket Cast, iTunes, everywhere. Uh, and uh, it's a weekly show with lots of fun discussions like today. Uh, I also have a YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash Miriam That's my name spelt out with a Y, Miriam with a Y. And that will give you some complimentary uh, content to show you visually what we're talking about. Unboxing the P20 and P20 Pro, for example, is the most recent video that I did that I think will be relevant to this show. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, so, so before we finish, I do need to mention something, Steve, and that's our awesome sponsor, audible.com. Are you, by any chance, an Audible customer? Do you know what? I've 
often wanted to try and I never had the time. I have so many podcasts. I'm just backed up with audio, but it's a fine sponsor and a fine system. And I know my, my wife gets involved in that. So yes, go for it. Well, I tell you what, you can you can click on the link that's going to be in the show notes uh, that I'm going to share in a second and and thank our sponsor that way and, and also promote this podcast by clicking on that link and helping us out. Uh, audible.com is our sponsor. The URL is audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. Please go there and you will support the podcast and you'll be able to subscribe to Audible if you're not a customer. I really love it. I'm not a huge uh, fan of books in the first place, not because I don't like reading. It's just because I don't have time. And so, um, you know, this has kind of made me back into a fan of books because now I can listen to them on airplanes and maybe fall asleep to them. I can listen to them while I'm driving on long road trips and it's lovely. Um, so, you know, thanks to Audible for being sponsors and please check it out. Steve, thanks so much for being on for the second time on my show. It's been really delightful. I really value your insight. And uh, I think uh, we, we really did cover the P20 Pro in, in great detail. Yeah, it's always fun, Miriam, anytime. Thanks so much. So stay tuned. Uh, I'll have another guest next week and we'll talk some more about phones. Cheers, everyone. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.